Faith FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome everybody, you're listening on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM Network, positively different radio and a special shout out to all those listening in Gloucester, New South Wales on 88.0 in Millicent, South Australia, also on 88.0 or Huonville, Tasmania, the promised land itself on 87.6. Just down the road from where I grew up. Did you say promised land? Abs- of course I said the promised <laughs> land. Because that's what it is. Mm, I don't Tasmania. know. It doesn't seem Huon like Valley. to me. Huon Valley is the most beautiful place in Australia. Mm-hmm. Just God's country. Well, you've got lots of expensive trees there. So it would have true. to be beautiful. Of course. The Huon Pine is one of the most expensive timbers that there are in the world. Uh, uh, almost the most expensive materials. Just... Yes. Absolutely wild. Yes, absolutely. How was your weekend, Lyle? Uh, my weekend was amazing. I was in Queensland, as you probably know if you were listening to the breakfast show yesterday. We had a pretty rough and ready breakfast show yesterday, but mm. we kind of got there. Mm-hmm. Hope you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So I was in Queensland enjoying the company of my son, my daughter-in-law, and my grandson. That's amazing. He's amazing. Your grandson. Yes, my grandson is amazing. Oh, he's a big boy. He is huge. <laughs> he's enormous. I mean, where where did that come from? Mm. I mean, look at Shell and I. We're not large people. He's just, he's a monster. Mm. Yes. Man, that's he's amazing. Twice the size of his cousin. Twice the, twice the size. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We are about to get into our quiz questions and Lawson's going to bring it to you. We didn't have quizzes yesterday because we were we were broadcasting on some pretty wild equipment. Mm. It was bits and pieces cobbled I together with cables that we'd scavenged from every corner of the South Queensland campground <laughs> to kind of make it work. Oh, dude, I could so imagine you just walk into different tents and you just, like, go up the back to the AV guys and it's like, hey, do you have this cable? And then you grab one from them and you grab one from them. We literally had a team of five guys scouring the campsite for bits and pieces to make this thing work. That's amazing. We had no computer screen to work off. We Uh, had no headsets. The music was coming off of Producer Shell's phone via YouTube. Epic. It was just... It was just... Now that is what we call radio, okay? (laughs) Professional. Live on-site radio. Mm -hmm. We pulled it together at the last minute, of course, Mm and made it work. It was good fun. Amen. That's awesome. Well, hey, you know what we do have this morning that you didn't have yesterday? Is a quiz. Something to give away. Something, some amazing draw that you are going to enter. But our question for the quiz is, what lawyer advised the council not to execute the apostle? The apostles. 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you'll win this week's prize, which is from plant to plate, diabetes edition by Tammy Bivens. Turning fresh, simple food. Uh, turning fresh, simple food into a delicious habit. Now, in the brief kind of blurb that it gives here, promotion for the book, it says, did you know that in most cases, type 2 diabetes and pre-diabetes can be reversed through diet and exercise? And that is absolutely the truth. In Here in Australia, one of the main 
leading causes of death if you look at all different kinds of, you know, things that cause mortality and bring people's lives to an end is is usually lifestyle diseases. And that's as a result of a lack of a good lifestyle, including a great diet and exercise. And this book is all about giving you amazing, healthy recipes and even like diet and exercise tips that you can implement into your life to be able to avoid all of these lifestyle diseases. There's 92 delicious plant-based recipes, even video cooking that you get access to upon receiving the book. You get like a key to go and look at all the cooking videos and whatnot. This is like, guys, this is everything you would want from a cookbook that could really turn your life around. And I know that for a lot of people, you can be out there sitting thinking, oh man, this is an area in my life, my health that I just can't get on top of. This is a great place to start. So 0491 And again, our quiz question was, what lawyer advised the council not to execute the apostles? Of course, as we go through the show, we'll give more and more quiz questions to you guys that will be able to participate in. But that quiz question was, what lawyer advise the council not to execute the apostles 0491-064-669. All right. Let's have some positively different news. That sounds like an amazing prize right there. Mm-hmm. But let's have some positively different news this morning. Positively different news? Well, i got to talk about my weekend briefly as well. Yes, yes, I, let's hear about I it. I went to the University Ministry Summit, okay, so awesome. essentially what this was, I drove three hours north, took a bunch of people with me who flew in from all over Australia, most yes. mostly the East Coast, but Melbourne and Brisbane and whatnot. We went up to the Arahapni campground, which is literally just paradise on earth. Yes. We're talking about a place where you sleep in cabins in this amazing, awesome activity-laden spiritual campground, and then you get out of bed and walk three minutes and you're on the beach. Like, yes. a pretty incredible yes. beach. So, like, this is yes. awesome. But is we nice. we spent the majority of our time there listening to experts in the field of uni ministry and how it is that we can reach our young people. So, it was a really powerful time. We had all different crews from all different unis all over Australia, as I said. And, yeah, just being able to encourage one another, get advice, get tips on how the work can go forward. And we can reach the young people, in the place where they are in most need of being reached. Did but, you did you get to go to the beach? Oh, yeah. Went did to you the, swim? I, I went about knee deep. Yes. Uh, but A little early in the year. Yeah, that's right. But it was still good. Like, we hung out on the beach and hung out just... There's a bunch of different walks and things in there hung, hanging out in nature. But I think it was really powerful. There was a statistic that was shared that showed, and this isn't uh, limited to certain Christian groups. This is for all Christian groups. 70% of Christian young people leave the faith in university. Mm. And so we see ourselves acting in two ways on our campuses, both as a yeah an evangelistic Mission, you know, getting out there, reaching unreached people with the gospel, particularly in the international space, people who come over to Australia and have never heard about Jesus, have never heard about God. But simultaneously, we also act as a catch net for those Christian students who go to uni and who are, you know, being bombarded with all different philosophies, all different ideas, and and mostly, from my experience, all different just social settings that they've never been exposed to uh, that have negative effects. Like, I've rarely seen the case where someone goes to uni and as a result of hearing someone explain the theory of evolution, they're like, yep, I am now an atheist, I give up on my faith. Because, <laughs> firstly, because we have fantastic 
encounters and great scientific explanations for creation. Uh, but also because the reason most people lose faith in uni is, yeah, not because of what they're being taught, but rather just the environment of having a bunch of non-Christian friends and getting into partying and drinking and drugs. Like, that's what we see the majority of the time. And so being able to be on university campuses and create and foster an environment where people will be able to practice their faith and keep their faith and learn and also join in mission as well yes, and, and be a part of reaching other students. It will just embolden them, embolden them in their faith. And, and that's the experience that we've had at Newcastle Uni. So, so praise God for the Uni Ministry Summit and, and praise God for the, the local conference here as well for putting on something like that. It's a, it's a space that's been really lacking for the last couple of years of like reaching out to university campuses. I, I mean, from a kind of conference executive level, uh, but, you know, most of the uh, uni work that's been done is just from students, which is fantastic. The uni work needs yeah, to be done yeah, by students, sure, but now it's good that there's some it's, support there as well. It's organized. It's got support. There's a platform. You've got a church happening. It's, it's incredible. So that's amazing. We were so blessed. But that all being said, Lyle. Yes. It's happening. Okay. I say this a lot. You do. But it is. It truly is. What is happening this morning? United Airlines. Okay. Well, usually. Flying to space. No, it's usually a name that's not associated with uh, lots of positive things. But United Airlines. I've flown with United many times. You know why? Why? Because it's the cheapest airfare. That's right. (laughs) Dodgy when you fly with them. United. planes, no food, dodgy food. Dude. All the things that you rate a flight on. Uh United Airlines have just put in a purchase order for 200 four-seater electric flying taxis, EVTOLs. No way. So electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. They have put in an order for 200 of them. Had to happen sooner or later. In which they will buy and operate in metropolitan cities. I so want to fly in one. I so want to fly in one. Now, simultaneously, like this order that's being put in is being is going to be fulfilled around the year 2026 completely. And during that time, particularly in the UK and the United States, they're going, "Okay, now people are buying EV tolls which they want to operate commercially. We now need to work out a system to make sure that they won't crash into each other." That, in, that's not hard. We already have those systems in place. Cities. Yeah, like... Commercial airliners already have that system. It's yeah. impossible for a commercial airliner to crash into each other unless you make it happen. Yes. But we're talking about flying around, flying cars, flying around cities. No, that's not... That, this is not... This is not difficult. I went to Queensland. We uh-huh. drove up to Queensland and I travelled with a friend who had a hire car, which is a new car, and I drive old clunkers, and so everyone's going to think, Lyle, you're a dinosaur. But this car was the coolest thing ever mm-hmm. because it had, you know, had that lane thing where it won't drive out of its oh, lane. Yeah, yeah. So you could take your hands off the steering wheel, um, and it would stay in its lane until it yells at you until yeah, it, yeah, it's put like your hands put back your up, hands back on, back on yeah. the and you could just set the cruise control. And it would speed up, it would slow down, it would never go over the speed limit, it would never run up the... It would just... just it was close to an automatic mm. driving car as you can get without being one. It was so cool. For sure. And even in drone technology already, like, you have the You ability, can't run into trees. They just, like, you can't avoid run into everything. Buildings. You can't run into power lines. For sure. So, but... Still, there's humans up there. Yes, that, yes. That's, that's why they yes. need to need to be a little bit more careful. Out. So, yeah, this is definitely something to look forward to. I am also incredibly excited to fly around in an EV toll. 
oh, in a just city. Can't like, wait just to do that. Incredible. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is the breakfast show here on Faith FM, and that means we're about to talk about more serious news. Before we do, another question for our quiz. We have an amazing prize for this week. Make sure you don't miss out on it. Make sure you get your answers in. That's right. And our question now is, it is a good thing, sorry, it is good for a blank that he bear the blank in his youth. 0491-064-669, if you can tell us what those blanks are, I'll read it again. It is good for a blank that he bear the blank in his youth. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. We've got from plant to plate, the diabetes edition. But like, this isn't just limited to diabetes. This is essentially an amazing vegan cookbook, which you can get your hands on. As I said, 92 incredible recipes, which you'll be able to have access to. Let's have a look at some of them, actually. If you want to be able to make simple, amazing plant cake, uh, Man, I'm really struggling with my words. It's kind of Monday <laughs> See, for me what, right now because I wasn't on radio Yes, Monday artist is happening on Tuesday this week. That's right. You can get yourself some simple, amazing pancakes or be able to make some uh, huevos rancheros. Or let's have a look here if you want to make a salad. Mock tuna. I actually really like tuna. I don't eat tuna anymore. I'm vegan. But I would love to eat a mock tuna salad. That sounds amazing. 0491-064-669. Again, that question was, it is good for a blank that he bear the blank in his youth. All right. Let's talk about some more serious news. And don't forget to give us a call if you know the answer to that one. Bit of a challenging one right there. Mm. Uh, we are heading to Iran where they have morality police. And in the moment that you've got a thing called morality police... You know, besides your traffic police, mm-hmm. your general duties police, your detective service, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You've yeah. got lots of different uh, types of police. But what, at the moment you have morality police, you know you've got a union of church and state mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. You know that you're going to have religious persecution and you know you're going to have restrictions on religious liberty and freedoms. So Masa Amini has died in custody. Oh. It has sparked demonstrations right across Tehran and Kurdistan. She was arrested for not wearing a head covering, Mm. so for dressing immodestly. Uh, What's interesting about this is that they have the morality police in Iran to, you know, raise the morality of the nation, and you can kind of understand that because the higher the morals that are practiced within a nation, the more successful that nation Mm. is, Mm -hmm. except that... You're 16 times more likely to be raped in Iran if you're a woman than you are in a Western country. Yeah, that's wild. And talk about a place where it's discouraged to report it as well. Yes. Mm. Yes. And that's right. That's the numbers that we have. And so what you find is this, and this is a a controversial statement right here, uh, but there is a direct relationship between the cultural requirements placed on women for how they dress, and rape. Mm. And the more that a culture requires a woman to wear, the more dangerous that culture is. Yep. And the reason for that is is because the more the culture requires a woman to wear something, 
the more the men of that culture are obsessing over women's bodies. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. It's just uh, sexual objectification, and you can see it coming through here in Iran, and you have the moral, the morality police running around trying to raise the morality while the morality is actually going down the tube mm. about as fast as it possibly can. All right, so there's been riots right across Iran. Two people have died as a result of those riots. Fifteen have been hospitalised. Wow. And, of course, in those you know riots and demonstrations and so forth, women have been taking off their head coverings. Mm. Because like you can't arrest everybody, so they're like, we're going to protest and mm. out. So that has not gone well for Iran, and they probably need to take a serious look at their policies right there. Mm. Okay, a couple of other quick stories very quickly. Um, in New South Wales, New South Wales is set to introduce a nobody, no parole law. And this is interesting because what it does is it recognises the need for human beings to find closure in times of trauma. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I see as being important to mention because this is a need that is recognized by God. Mm. You know, this is, this is one of the reasons why we have the last judgment. This is one of the reasons why we have the millennium. This is one of the reasons why the wicked are destroyed at the end of the millennium. This is one of the reasons why, you know, there is degrees of punishment that are handed out by God is because of the human need foreclosure to bring healing. Mm. And so, yeah, they've introduced this law. Well, they're introducing this law in New South Wales. affect about six people that are currently in uh, up for parole coming up sometime soon and so, a whole bunch more in the future. So what is the law actually? Like what is it? Nobody, no parole. If you have been convicted of murder and you refuse to say where the body is, oh, you don't get to get out ever until you do so. Yeah, sure. There's so this, if you're up for a parole after 20 years. This is not a law. <laughs> this has because, never been a law before. Because that's just an un like. Well, you definitely just, did it, but then it's like you should just be in jail, right? This well, you should be in jail, yes. But after 20 years, you know, if you've got a 25 year sentence, after 20 years, you come up for parole, for instance, and they're like, "Well, we could let you out because you have uh, been exemplary in your behaviour while inside, but you have not told us where the body is, so you are staying in until you do so." Yeah, but then if it, if it's like a murder like that, then the person's like a sick serial killer. Mm-hmm. Should they be let out anyway? Well, this is another question, and I think this is one of the things that taking into consideration is if they are too. Uh, unrehabilitated to be able to reveal this information for the benefit of the surviving victims, then no, they shouldn't be let out. Because that's the point, right? Unless they're pleading innocent this whole time, then they're not going to tell it. Yeah, and the whole idea, yeah. Yeah. Sure, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, we've got a massive typhoon smashing into Japan, which is breaking weather records over there. Nothing Mm. new about weather records being broken recently. We have a massive 6.8 earthquake has just smashed Taiwan. That's the third one I've reported really? on in less than seven days from around the world that have been in, in 6.8 or above. And then we have this interesting story. Uh, red heifers arriving in Israel, five of them. Okay. This is just unbelievable. Well, we know that Fascinating. we had red heifers in the time of the Bible. Yes. But they don't exist anymore? Well, they keep breeding them, and there are a number of, far- number of Christian farms in Texas that are breeding red heifers, but the last one that was, end- was sent over to Israel, it was kept under armed guard, mm. but after a number of years it was found to have five white hairs on it, mm. and it was then set free to be a normal cow. 
Five. Five. They found five. It started to grey and they, they were just like... They have been breeding red heifers. Christian groups in the United States have been breeding red heifers to get perfectly red heifers so that they can reinstitute the sacrificial system in Israel because you so, can't restart it without a perfectly red heifer. You said this is Christian groups, right? Christian groups. So they read that part of the Bible where the veil was rent in two? No, they didn't read that part. They they said, oh, we want to keep sacrificing even, after Jesus was our No, they didn't sacrifice. read that. that yes. That, well, they didn't also look at the fact that God sent the Romans to destroy the temple because of the blasphemy of continuing to offer sacrifices in that temple after Jesus had died. They didn't read the part where it says there is now a sacrifice one for, once and for all. I don't think they read much of the New Testament. Yeah, I'm, that's wild. It's really wild stuff. And it has massive, massive support right across the United States. The entire U.S. foreign policy is based around the idea of the temple being rebuilt in Jerusalem. Yikes. It is so, so frightening that Christians are so biblically illiterate. Mm. Okay, so the Bible talks about the temple being rebuilt in Jerusalem. you got questions about that, give us a call. I'd love to talk about it. But in Amos chapter 9 and verse 11, the Bible says, In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof and raise up his ruins, and I'll build it as in the days of old. Now, you can take your own interpretation of that, or you can take the Bible interpretation. Which one do you want, Lawson? I want the Bible. Okay, let me give you the Bible version then. This is what the Bible says. The Bible talks about the Jerusalem Council, which took place in uh, in Acts chapter 15. And at the, at the end of that council, uh, James stands up and he says, Look, Peter has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written... After this I will return and build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and will build again the ruins thereof and will set it up. Mm. So there's your, there's your prophecy about the rebuilding of, of the temple in Amos. Here is the fulfillment. Mm. This is the fulfillment in Acts. Known unto God, uh, wherefore my, yeah, uh, sorry, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, says the Lord, who does all these things. The New Testament writers clearly understood that the rebuilding of the temple was the building of the Christian church, mm. not the rebuilding of a stone structure filled with gold. Mm. And you'll find that from one end of the New Testament to the other. You just need to go and read it. Mm. It's a good idea. It'll save you breeding red heifers and sending them to Israel to reinstitute a blasphemous service that denies the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. What's our next question for our quiz? Our next question is simply this. Who was the wife of Aquila? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win our From Plant to Plate book by Tammy Bivens. This is all about how it is that we can have optimal health through what we Eat. So if you would like this, all you have to do is answer our questions and go in the draw for that we will be drawing on Friday. But again, that question was, who was the wife of Aquila? 0491 064 669. 
All right, if you know the answer, give us a call right now. But we are heading to our interview of the day. And joining us on the phone is Leonie Gardner. Uh, Leonie Gardner is a remedial massage therapist, a practitioner of nutritional medicine. She's been working in the field for about 40 years. Leonie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Pete. Smile. Now, we are super looking forward to what you have to share with us this morning because I understand you're going to be talking about the great controversy, so, you know, the, the, the battle between Christ and Satan and how it relates to our immune system and how and where nutrition plays into that whole equation. Leona, where do we start this conversation? Yeah, that's a really good question because it's actually a huge topic, really. We could spend hours on it. But, but um, yeah, look, I would like to start with a little question for you and maybe, you know, get our viewers, uh, our viewers, our listeners thinking, um, you know, what do you think about or what do you consider is the, could be the single most critical bedrock principle for life to exist, life itself. The most critical principle for life to exist. Oh, that's an interesting question. Love to hear what you've got to say. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Now, I think as Christians, the given here would be uh, the existence of God, the intervention of God. Uh, but mm-hmm. outside of that, I think we have to have, well, I mean, hey, we look at our world which has the existence of life on it and we say they say we live in the Goldilocks zone with the perfect kind of environment, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to go with water. Yeah, so that, that's great. There's, there's tons. In actual fact, if we're looking at the physical existence for you and I, the four most critical elements for life are water, oxygen, water, sodium and potassium. They're the four most critical elements for life, required for life. But um, I'm looking at the conceptual you know, idea, which is what you, you actually absolutely nailed, that God is the, is the foundation. There is, no, there is no life without him because he is life. Yes. So my extension of that is that is what he is. It defines who he is, and the Bible says that God is love. There have been interesting studies done on on the, the ability, well, for instance, on the withdrawal of love, tragically, um, you know, in post the Second World War and so on, when there were lots of orphan children, and they did some studies, and it was a pretty bad way to study. But in any case, there were a couple of children that that, that, that had all, all human contact withdrawn. Um, all that was done for them was that they were just fed, um, just the food was just dropped in their cot or whatever, just given to them. They had no physical affection no expressions of love, no human contact, you know, uh, no, all of that. So it was, and, and you know, no, uh, you know, anyway, so no contact whatsoever and no love. And those children, both of them died within yes. a fairly short time. And so, you know, my, 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 my point here is that I believe that for fundamental for the existence, not only for, for life itself, uh, but for its maintenance, for its sustenance, is this ingredient we call love. It's so fundamental. And one of the reasons our world is decomposing, if you like, um, is deteriorating, is degradating, is falling apart in so many ways is because, as the Bible says at the end of time, love will grow cold. Oh, this is really interesting. You know, Leonie, if I could jump in for a second, one of the other things that I remember coming out of the Second World War, of course, there was massive um, orphanages with a lot of newborn infants in them that had survived where their parents hadn't. 
And one of the things that they found that reduced the mortality rate, drastically reduced the mortality rate, was if the if the staff would just go round to the cots one at a time, pick the babies up, give them a cuddle, put them back down again, and something as simple as that was just having a massive, massive impact on reducing the mortality rate. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's without you know worrying about the exact type of nutrition they're getting or anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you they were getting the nutrition was fine. <laughs> Everything was fine. All of the ingredients for life were fine. For life were fine. Yeah, but there was no love. This is I've never thought about love as being such a powerful health tool before yeah yeah yes it's for me it's you know love is the fountain of life god is love and therefore he is and his character of love is the very the, the very foundation and the fountain of life itself so it's the wellspring of creativity it's the motive of thought that inspired the nature of all its design for the structure and function of every complex and intricate and interdependent biological an ecological system and organism, and that constitutes the life of every living thing on our planet. So, um, you know, so what, like I said before, you know, what do you think is, you know, therefore it, the essential ingredient for the sustenance of life and maintenance of life would be, you know, love again. You know, when you think about it from the moment a child is born, what's the mother's very first innate instinct? <laughs> it's just as what is it? It's to pour her maternal love upon this child by taking Absolutely. it up into her arms. Yeah. Okay, so you're talking about you know, the four ingredients. That I think we, you, you mentioned oxygen, water, potassium, and something else. Sodium. Sodium. Sodium, sodium um, mm-hmm. as being necessary for life. Mm-hmm. But you, so you can have all of that, but if you don't have yeah. love, you're not going to have human life because the human race would actually die out very quickly. That's right. It would extinguish itself because we are relational beings and God has designed us that way to be in relationship. When you look at the Ten Commandments, you know, you've got the four, um, you know, two tables of stone, four commandments on the left and six commandments on the right. It's not divided by five like our human brains would normally go. Um, The first four are all about, um, they're all relational commandments and the Mm. first four are all about our love relationship with God. You know, and then this other six on the right, uh, on the other stone tablet are all about our relationship, our horizontal relationship. So there's the vertical relationship, then there's the horizontal relationship. And they're all predicated on love because that law is a law of love. And it's all to do with relationships. Relationships, first of all, with God Himself, our Creator, and then with one another through those interpersonal horizontal relationships. Oh. And that is. Okay, this, this has got my this has got my brain turning all over the place because here's an interesting thing. We talk about four four love to God commandments on one side of the tablets and uh, six love to each other commandments on the other side of the tablets. Yep. Did you know that a lot of Jewish people go three and seven right. because. The Sabbath commandment is not just about love to each other. They will see that as love, sorry, love to God. They will see that as love to the family because that is the time to connect with family. Right. Interesting so, insight right there in the, yeah, in, the different, yeah, yeah. in the different view of looking at that crossover commandment that is in the middle where it is both <laughs> about love to God but it's also essential to have that time with family. Absolutely. I love that. And and also when you think about it, isn't there a crossover from, from left to right anyway? 
if yes. our vertical relationship is in place, um, because we have, we naturally have this God void, God shaped void hole in our hearts. We've all heard that sort of term and that idea. Um, but the fact is that it's there. We created that way. We created. We, we're not islands. We are not the independent of our Creator. We think we are, and that we can be. But it's like cutting the branch. I mean, sin does this. But yes. and and sorry if we're in sin. I guess we cut off from our Creator anyway. But if we're not in relationship with the one who made us, you think of a baby. If it wasn't in relationship with the mother who conceived or who bore it, and obviously the parents who conceived it, but at least one of the parents, um, biological parents, um, you know that you know that that life force is going to be cut, like we talked about before with the, the babies that die. So for the life force to actually be um, to be said to be um, to be sustained, you know, like the branch of a tree needs to be connected to the tree itself in order for that sap to flow through and for it to be able to bear fruit and bear, you know, bear seed to replicate itself to be connected. So we are fundamentally created to be connected with our creator and to be connected with one another. And so people that disconnect on any of those levels, their health begins to be impacted. And there's plenty of studies beginning to arise um, on this level <clears throat> about this very thing. And, and if I could just jump in for a moment, because really what you've got here is the uniqueness of humanity. I mean, I've mentioned this before, but take a great white shark. It has no such requirement. That's right. You know, it, right. it, it briefly meets a shark of the opposite sex and conceives other sharks that are born somewhere in, the, in another part of the world where, you know, the eggs float around or whatever sharks do, and it has nothing to do with uh, its partner. It has nothing to do with its offspring. It just swims around and kills and eats. Very successful yes. species. Yes. But yes. nothing like we are as human beings. We are as exactly. we as human beings are designed to love. Just got so many thoughts yes. going through my head. Yes, so created with this incredible God God given capacity for love. Mm. Because he is love, he created us in his very own image. So of course we have to be created for and by and for love. Because we're we're in his very own image. Yes. Interestingly, we were formed, and this is a little bit of science because we won't spend too much time here. But we were formed. We weren't spoken into existence. The Bible teaches that God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, etc. And we became a living soul. So God was intricately, intimately involved with our creation. You know. Um, as one speaker said, you know, there's only one person, two, three people in my life that can get this close to me, you know, can get right up to my face and my nose and breathe in my nostrils, and that's my wife and my two kids. <laughs> so that's how God was, you know, initially with us. You know, we were sculpted by his very own hand. But interestingly, not only humans, whilst all of the rest of creation was spoken into existence, the animals were also formed by his hand. Now, the reason I'm saying that is, Yes, you're absolutely right about the that capacity that for love that's not actually awakened in most animals, but that it can be awakened. When you think about a domestic animal, what's the language that they respond to most? Or even a horse? Or when you're training any animal, maybe a dolphin, 
what's the language they actually begin to resonate with and respond to. Well, I mean, the, your dog is going, is going to come clearest through in your dog above every other creature that is out there that they yeah, respond yeah. to love yeah. and they just, yeah, yeah. you know, they can't get enough of it. Mm. And they can't give uh, enough. They just can't give enough love. I mean, my dog exactly. can never give me enough love. He's just <laughs> always loving on me. And, <laughs> Yeah, you know, even, so even when I step on his toe or something like that and he yelps and he feels bad, he's like, oh, I've done something bad So I've got, and, and I love you, I love you, I didn't mean to do anything bad. And I just get showered yeah. with love. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, look, well, we could talk a whole lot more about that, but it's also beautiful and, and, you know, and love begets love. That's the beautiful thing. Yes. Love begets love. The more it's modelled, the more it's demonstrated, the more it, it, it nourishes the soul of the recipient and nourishes the soul of the giver. So when you're giving love and giving it away, you never lose it. You actually gain it. You gain more back. And that's what you know. That that um, saying, you know, love isn't love till you give it away. And the Bible teaches us. John three sixteen is a classic, classic, um, you know, blueprint for that. You know, for God so loved the world that He stood up in heaven and said, "I really love you guys. You know, you're really quite special, and and I, and, I'm, and I'm really proud of what I've created." You know, I hope you're doing okay down there. You know, I'm thinking of you lot. No, he got involved. He said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only son, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And at what point, not only did God give his son, but then his son gave himself to the very last drop of his blood to show his love. And, of course, it will come back to him throughout the Ephesus ages of eternity, you know, but but that is the point. The more we give, the more we are blessed. Jesus' life was a hard life, but he taught the world and he modeled love was all about, not about me, it's about how can I bless you? What can I do to make you happy? It's not self-centeredness. So the point where we go then is, uh, you know, when the Apostle Paul states, that um, all things were made by him, that is Christ. And uh, sorry, sorry, let me back up. That in him, in Christ, was life, and the life was the light of men. So he is our life, and the Bible says, and the length of our days. So, you know, his love, he, his personage, his love, all that he is, is our fundamental, um, you know, the, our being is completely and utterly dependent on that. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Leonie, thank you so much for sharing with us this morning. We could talk about this all morning, unfortunately. We've run out of time already, so we do have to move on with the show. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.